On Monday, we saw one of the most entertaining wins of the season against the Flames. On Wednesday, we saw a nitty-gritty home ice victory against the Canucks. And on Thursday, we saw Chris Drury shoot and score like he's done 255 times in his career. No, he didn't do it with a hockey stick like he used to back in the day. Rather, trading for two-time All-Star, six-time 30-plus goals in a season scorer, and Stanley Cup champion Vladimir Tarasenko, as well as Nico Migala. Rangers beat writer Molly Walker and Hockey Hall of Famer Larry Brooks break down this blockbuster deal and examine if this could be the move that helps the Rangers return to glory and raise the cup. All that and more on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. There's a Yankee story you're accustomed to hearing. This is not that Yankee story. The 1990 Yankees. It was rock bottom. A horror show, a laughing stock. There was a ball player who brought live Krugers into the clubhouse. I was in a relationship with Mel Hall at the age of 15. Are you kidding me? How was that acceptable? This is the Yankee story they don't like to tell. It really was the Bronx Zoo. Bronx Zoo 90. Crime, chaos, and baseball. Streaming now, only on Peacock. Welcome back to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. And um, this was going to be a regular episode. We have mailbag questions for you, which Molly will answer a little bit later on. But anyone who's a Ranger fan knows that there's breaking news and we're just going to hit it straight off the top. Obviously, Chris Jerry kind of dropped the bombshell today on us a little bit around noon, one o'clock ish, trading for Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola from the St. Louis Blues. It was a trade that actually, believe it or not, Molly and Larry had spoken about on the podcast, but uh, that now we hit all control delete on that as Molly and Larry both know from game notes. But we're here to talk about it now. Again, like I said, Vladimir Tarasenko, Nico Mikola in exchange for a first round pick in the 2023 NHL draft, as well as a conditional fourth round pick, Sammy Blay going, as well as Hunter Skinner. And Molly picked up on the source that the Blues are going to be retaining 50% of the salary, which is huge for the Rangers salary cap because we all know about their issues that they have. So this was a great move in my mind, at least from Chris Jury, a move that obviously kind of takes him out of the Patrick Kane situation. But you know what? I like this a lot. You're bringing in a big time player, a guy, Stanley Cup experience, 30 plus goal scorer for six years in in the NHL. So the guy knows what he's doing. He's going to play off the line perfectly, I think, with Mika. Molly, news of the day here. There's so much to like about this deal that general manager and president Chris Jury pulled off today. I mean, it fills their biggest needs a hole on the right wing in the top six and on the left side of the bottom defensive pair. And he was able to get a guy like Tarasenko while also preserving key players who are currently in the lineup, but also squeezing the added bonus of more defensive depth in the process. Uh, So there's just so much to like, like you said, it does kind of take them out of the Patrick Kane sweepstakes, but arguably a bit of a trade up. For a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, I guess we could just go right into the conditions of everything. There's a lot of moving parts, so I'll try to break it down as seamlessly as possible. But yes, they were the Blues retained 50% of the last year of Tarasenko's contract, which is a $7.5 million cap hit. Um, the Rangers made room for him and uh, and Nico by uh, waving Libor Hayek, and they sent Will Cooley back to AHL. Hartford, so they were able to make room for both of those guys. Um, the first round pick 
will be the latter of the Rangers two in the 2023 NHL draft, either their own or the one that they received from the stars in exchange for Nils Lundqvist earlier this season. If Dallas does end up having a top 10 pick, it will shift to next year and be the latter of those two picks. Um, The fourth rounder in 2024 will also become a third round pick if the Rangers make the playoffs this season, which I don't like to be in the business of jinxing anybody, but that's a pretty solid bet that you can make. We've seen this before with Jury where he makes a condition conditions like this, and it's very strategic and it's very smart. Um, and I feel like it it also helped them get um, Nico McCola in the, in the deal as well, which I feel like judging by what we heard from Jury today, that was a a big sweetener for the pot for them. I mean, they did just extend Ben Harper, but Ben Harper is probably more of a number seven defenseman rather than the sixth guy that they want next to Braden Schneider. So um, we'll all get our first look at Tarasenko and uh, McCola in Rangers sweaters Friday night against Seattle Kraken. There's been so much going on. I almost forgot who they were playing on Friday. (laughs) So very exciting. Uh, this is exactly what the Rangers needed. So there's so much to like about it. I mean, Larry, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the deal. It is kind of funny that we literally were talking about this earlier today, that Tarasenko would probably be be the guy that the Rangers want to bring in. And, and here we are. Yeah, well, I, I, I listen, I like it. I, I mean, you 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 guys have, have, have both written my columns for me. <laughs> but no, I like it. Um, what I think it does. First of all, I, I love the fact that it, it's now. And it, it gives Tarasenko, gives Nicola, but Tarasenko specifically, um, time to acclimate. And I think that's really important because, you know, and, and I referenced this, a, you know, a week or so ago when I wrote, um, when Marty St. Louis came um, to the Rangers at the deadline in 14, he scored one goal in 19 games and and you could see he just it was very very difficult he he'd come from a place he'd been forever and it takes time to adjust and this extra 3 weeks before the deadline that Tarasenko is now going to have i think is is vital um it and it, it, you know it, it also allows the rangers to solidify their top line, their top 9 they have been unstable unsettled all year it's almost remarkable that they have the record they do they, they have the seventh best record in the league and yet they i don't think they've played a hockey for you know for much of the year i i don't think they've been at their best for much of the year so um you can look at it as you know two ways that they haven't gotten to their best and they're not going to and this is you know what you see is what you get or Look at what they've done without being at their best. And when they kick into gear, they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. I think a lot of that goes to stability. And I think and I, I, I hope that the coach looks at his lineup now and sees a top nine that he is not going to fiddle with every game. Or if it doesn't go well for two games, there's going to be an immediate switch. It's going to be, I, you know, I think and, and I think it's it's obvious and and this is what I'd look at. I think it's going to be Panarin, Zabanajad, Tarasenko, Lafreniere, Hedl, Kako, Trocek between Kreider and either VC or Goodrow, with the other dropping down and forth. But their top nine now should just go every game. This is this, you know, barring injury, 
is just roll them out, roll them out, roll them out. And what I think this does, um, in addition to giving stability to the team, which they haven't had, is that it gives Panarin somebody to play with. And I think, you know, Panarin's a guy who doesn't love change, and that's all he's had this year. You know, he's had to, you know, he's got a new center, hasn't worked that great, you know, no need to assign blame. It just, you know, the, the panarin Trocheck connection just hasn't worked so far this year. And and um, so Panarin's been, you know, playing on different combinations with different centers, and he's been moving here and there. He hasn't reacted all that well. And, you know, he hasn't had an especially good season. You know, he's having a good season, obviously. You know, he's in the all-star game. He puts up points, but he's been off. And I think he's been off just about all year. And I think, you know, bringing in Tarasenko, somebody he's friendly with, somebody he's played with in the past in international events, someone who sees the game the same way as he does, will will be a major boost for him. And I think it's important that the Rangers have Panarin at their best. You know, they're not going anywhere. They don't have Artemi Panarin at his best. And that means being better than he was in last year's playoffs. And I think Tarasenko um, is a guy who can help him. He's a, he's a, he's a, a uh, competitive guy, Tarasenko. He can win battles. Um, you know, he gets to the net and he's an elite goal scorer. Um, not having a great year, but there's a lot going on in St. Louis this year. And again, for, you know, they, they didn't have to give up any of their prize prospects. They didn't give up the better of, of the two first rounders they had. And they, and in addition, as, as you mentioned, getting the defenseman was was an important part of the deal. Um, ben Harper is more suited to being a seventh defenseman. And I think the Rangers are going to need to add another defenseman because if you're going into the playoffs and, and you fancy yourselves as a team that's going to make a run, which they do, you need nine, 10 NHL caliber defensemen there. So I would expect them to, to be looking for another defenseman. I'd also be um, expecting, I also expect them to look to uh, add to the fourth line because the fourth line right now is is pretty open as to how they're going to uh, construct that. So, but but to me, the, the you know the, the key is I look at now a top nine that can be stable and just roll them out every night. If they lose tomorrow night against Seattle, don't change it Saturday against Carolina. They lose, you know, really. Don't they, hold they, your breath. You know, if they struggle on on Saturday, don't change it. You know, next week when they go to the coast, uh, when they go out west to Canada, I, you know, this is their team. You know, this is their top nine. This is it. So go with it. Give them time. Allow them to, you know, allow them to become comfortable with each other. And you know, a Panarin, Zabanajed, Tarasenko first line is pretty formidable. It, it just is. And we've, we've, we've talked about how the Rangers are just now finding ways to win games, even though they're not playing all that well. Well, one guy who's playing well is Zibanejad. He's playing really well. And so I think he is up for it to be, you know, between Tarasenko and Panarin. He'll figure it out. He's smart enough. And again, these extra three weeks before the deadline give, give them a, a cushion on, on getting these guys acclimated. I think it's a, I think it's a terrific deal. I totally agree. I'm I'm very excited to see what Tarasenko looks like on the other side of Artemi Panarin. Drury told us today that he had a conversation with Artemi, a brief conversation about it. Obviously, like you mentioned, they're buddies from from playing internationally for Team Russia. Um, and if you know 
the Rangers couldn't get out and get his old pal Patrick Kane in Chicago, then I feel like Tarasenko is probably the next best guy. But you know, kind of like you mentioned, Tarasenko is having a bit of a down year, 10 goals, 19 assists in 38 games. But he was still within the Blues' top five point producers, which doesn't really say a lot because of the season that they're having in St. Louis, but it's still notable, I feel. So I, I, I think it's going to be good. You know it too is going to be interesting because Tarasenko obviously is going to go on the first power play. I was just that was you you know you're just reading my mind, but go ahead. You know that was the question because that 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 is the question, and I tried to get it out of jury today, but of course jury is is always going to say that it's a Galant's lineup. And well, he says that because it, it honestly is true. It's true. Yeah, you know it, it is true. I I know there there's a lot of of you know there are a lot of conspiracy you know theories out there that jury you know, instructs Gallant on, on who to play, where to play them. I, 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 I reject all of that. I and mean, because it is important that there is a line between the GM and the coach. You can't give a coach an excuse to lose. You can't tell a coach to play a player. Then the team loses and then blame the coach. Then the coach says, well, wait a second. I didn't. Yeah, it was the GM. <laughs> your lineup. It's not my lineup. So, there, there is a delineation in responsibility, and and it is Glant's authority to make the lineup and 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 you know to to use the personnel as as he sees fit. But believe me, they didn't bring in Tarasenko to be on the second power play playing twenty seven seconds. You know, power. Play. I don't think so either. But I no, mean, so they're going to bring him in, and you know, this is also refers to the timing of the deal because they're going to change their power play. I assume. And, you know, you can, you can, you know, you can kind of make a fool of yourself by assuming, but, but I assume that Trocek's dropping off, that he's, you know, that Tarasenko would replace Trocek. That, that's the one that makes sense. And it makes sense. So then, you know, so now you don't have the four righties anymore for the first time in, you know, three or four years. I was going to say a couple so years. There's adjust- yeah, there's going to be an adjustment period. I mean, really, since Thanksgiving of uh, 2019, they've gone with four righties when everyone's been healthy. You know, David Quinn put it together. They were their best four offensive players, um, forwards, Ryan Strom included. And so they, they've rolled with four righties for three years. So now it's going to be an adjustment period um, to work that power play. But listen, we all know that the four righty um, approach this year has gotten stale. Um, they've gotten a little predictable. They've gotten a little bit slow and methodical. So I think this will give a jolt to the power play, too. Um, but again, it, it's, it's, um, you know, Gerard Gallant has his own ways of doing things. Um, but I know he hasn't enjoyed switching the lines every game and it, like no coach wants to do that. And, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, bringing in Tarasenko, um, giving a legitimate top line player here, um, just, just, you know, gives them a roadmap for success. Go with your top nine. And then fill out the fourth line. So here's another question for you. I don't know if you can read my mind, but obviously he is going to, Tarasenko is going to be a UFA at the end of this season. Do you think there's a world in which he stays with the Rangers? Is that even possible? Yeah. No, No, I think this is a a strict rental. Pure rental. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a pure rental. The Rangers just don't, won't have the space to accommodate him each year. I, I, I don't think they're, are any illusions on either side? He's, you know, I think Tarasenko is coming here to win a cup. He won one uh, with St. Louis. I think he's coming here to win a cup and to uh, uh, build his market value. You know, a great run for him, 
enhances his value over over the summer. So no, I, I think this is a short term marriage, both for Tarasenko and for Mikola. You know, the, the Rangers won't be able to afford Mikola either next year as a third pair defenseman. They're they're not going to be in the business of adding you know, players who are making $2.5 million or whatever, you know, on their lefty. I'd like to add that Tarasenko, not only is a Stanley Cup winner, but he is a proven playoff contributor in general. 41 goals and 90 postseason games over nine seasons in St. Louis. I mean, that that's huge. That could be real. That could be the difference for the Rangers, you know, between an Eastern Conference final finish and a Stanley Cup final finish. I really see no drawbacks to this. That's something that, that I was actually going to ask, Larry, and I'm kind of curious. In terms of the Rangers, yeah, they do have playoff experience. Obviously, they had a lot last year, but in terms of having a Stanley Cup champion. Is it something that Tarasenko can give advice or like that just that extra motivation factor that, that hey, this guy's done it. You know, we can kind of lean on him and kind of show us the way in that sense. Does it do that for them a little bit? I think there's leadership by example. I think, you know, I, I think the confidence he has probably emanates and, and other p- players can pick up on it. Um, I don't I don't know that because he won the cup, that's going to have any influence on Panarin or Zibanejad, but it's always good to it's always good to have guys in the room who have won, who understand what it takes. Um, I think that was, you know, certainly one of Barkley Goodrow's. You know, it is one of Barkley Goodrow's great attributes is that he's been through this. He's won twice. He was able to, to lend that to the team last year. I think it's important to have guys who have won, um, but I, I think as much for what they contribute individually as how it rubs off on the rest of the team. I, I, again, though, I, I think it's all leadership by example. And so, you know, if Tarasenko obviously knows how to play in the playoffs. And so maybe the younger guys take a look at him, pick something up from him when they're going through the grind. Again, though, you know, last year, the experience that Kako and Heedle and Lafreniere got last year in, in the playoffs. It has helped to a certain extent during this regular season, but I think where really will pay off is in the playoffs this year because they've been through it. They know. They know how to play in the playoffs. And, you know, any anytime you have, have players with successful playoff experience, it's, it's an, an asset. Looking at the hall going the other way to St. Louis – Sammy Blay on his way back to where he began his career. Kind of a an unfortunate way to end. I mean, 54 games, nine assists, one season completely lost to injury. I just it's it's unfortunate, but I think Jury hit the nail right on the head uh, today when he said that he feels like sending him back to a familiar fl- place could help him. Just curious on your thoughts on his overall tenure with the Rangers and what it could mean for him going forward. You know, will will it it'll be one of those what ifs? Um, what if he hadn't gotten hurt? Because as 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 we you know have, have spoken about before, he was on the top line when he got hurt. They had just moved him up to play with Kreider and Zabanajad. You know, a power winger playing with Kreider and Zibanejad. And he was, he had never played on the fourth line last year. You know, he had played with Hedl and Lafreniere. It was, it was a pretty good combination. And then, of course, the Rangers were looking for a right wing to play with Kreider and Zibanejad. And they moved him up. And, and it was a very um, um, inviting prospect that they were going to have this power guy, 
fast and big who was going to get in on the four check, clear out space for them. Um, and then he got hurt in 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 that game. He got he hurt in the third game. He was on the first line. And you, you don't know what he would have been. You just don't know what he would have been. It, it's 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 really sad. It, it's unfortunate for him. I you know his earning power is is now devalued. Um, he's going to be a free agent over the summer. Who knows? Hope you know for his sake. You know he gets in a regular rhythm in St. Louis and and is comfortable and and you know goes onto the market with something behind him. Um, the, the one thing is Shane Churla's record of of being the Ranger forward who played the most games in his career without scoring a goal is now safe. He played, he played 55 games. No and, way. And, and play with 54. So Jane <laughs> <so>, Sherla <laughs> remains safe. in the record books. <laughs> but I, you know what, Sammy Blay was it? This is why you're here. This is why, yeah, that's why I'm here. podcast is dropping back. That's on yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, I mean, he, he was a, you know, a well-intentioned, he is a well-intentioned young, young man. You know, um, I, I, you know, I think the abuse he got from fans because he came for in, in the Buknevich trade was, you know, it's unfortunate. You understand it. Um, hope he didn't take it personally because I'm sure it was, never was meant personally. Um, but he was just a guy who worked hard, suffered a devastating setback and so far really hasn't been able to overcome it. You know, hopefully for his sake, he will in the next couple of months. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that over the summer when I spoke to him heading into this season, um, coming off of his ACL injury, I asked him if he felt any added pressure coming to New York as part of that trade, you know, for a guy like Pavel Buchnevich, who was obviously a fan favorite and, you know, was doing great things for the Rangers. And I mean, obviously he could have been lying <laughs> naturally, but he said he always tried not to think about it like that. But you're right. He did catch a lot of abuse from the fan base just for being part of it. Yeah, I, I remember like early last season um, in they played a game in Nashville that, that you didn't go to and I did. And he he was on the line with Heedle and Lafreniere and, and they, you know, he, he it was a good game. He played well. And I remember talking to him after the game was it was, you know, the mass press conference because of the COVID. Um, and and he was, you know, he was a brilliant. I mean, you know, the Rangers were giving him a shot not to just be a fourth line plugger. And he and Lafreniere had developed some chemistry. He was a really a very personable, you know, had a lot of personality. And then the injury happened and and his and his whole, you know, career kind of came to a crashing uh, pause, um, let's say. And um just, just you know, you know, my interactions with him were were always enjoyable. He, you know, he, he, you know, you knew he wanted to please. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to um, give something back. Um, so I hope he does well. Me too. Speaking of the fourth line, I feel like naturally that's where general manager Chris Jury's attentions are going to be now going forward between now and the March third deadline. You know, it's funny. I saw a lot of people on Twitter that we're like, all right, so we could bring Tyler Mott back now. <laughs> and I, But I feel like they do need a Tyler Mott kind of guy to plug in on the fourth line. And it's probably somebody with a similar price tag. You could see that happening. Yeah, I could. Um, I, I'm not sure how they envision their fourth line at this point. And and again, it'll, it'll be interesting to see tomorrow. And, and and this could change. I mean, I you know, I, I don't want to say that Gallant makes any changes. You know, it's, it's you know. 
<laughs> you know, you know, he, you know, he, he should be, you know, fired. Um, but, but the decision between dropping VC and Goodrow is, is an interesting one to me because if VC drops, then he's going on the wing. And if Goodrow drops, I would have moved, you know, I guess he could go on the wing, but I'm thinking of him as a fourth line center. So if VC's there, then they may have different needs. If Goodrow's there, then they may have different needs. So I'm not sure what they're looking for. I, you know, it's not going to be a, a especially physical fourth line now. I don't think. I don't think they have enough to um I don't think they're going to have enough cap space to acquire two more forwards to play in the fourth. So we're probably looking at one. So is Gautier going to play? I don't think Kravtsov is playing on the fourth line. You know, could they even give Kravtsov a shot on the third line and move both VC and Goodrow to the fourth? Probably not, but maybe that's an option for them to take a look at over the next week or two, you know, when they're when they're moving onto the deadline. I, I think it's 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 wide open, their fourth line. I, I don't know exactly how they're going to deal with it. But listen, if, if they can get Tyler Mott for a reasonable price, Tyler Mott would, would you know, Tyler, right? Tyler Mott would be would be an impressive addition. It would be, you know, what Tyler Mott brings. The um, fans would love it. That's for sure. I know, and then they'd be clamoring, and then and then over the summer when Drury doesn't keep him with a with a year, you know, deal for fourteen million, you know, <laughs> not understanding that. You know, there's a cap. Well, in addition to the day being busy, one last move that did happen was Will Cooley going back, being dropped down. Just getting your reaction on, I guess, his his short stint here with the Rangers. It's probably better off that he gets dropped back down, just to get more reps. I mean, he is young and shows some promise, but obviously, you know, it's it's probably better for him to get a little more time and development, right? Oh, I agree completely. I, I don't, you know, unless he unless he just, you know, asserted himself in, in these eight or ten minutes a night. Um, and he established himself as a fourth line guy who they were going to carry into the playoffs. It's much better for him and for the team, for him to play in Hartford, get his 18 to 22 minutes a night. And he's always available to come back at any time. I thought he was impressive. Um, I thought he handled himself well. He and the fourth line had a very tough night against Vancouver. So did the third pair. It was, it was just a bad night, but it, it wasn't a good night really for anybody. Um, even though the, you know the Rangers won the game against the Canucks, um, he had a t- he had a tough night, and um, I think I think it is a really good experience for him. Um, I think it will prepare him if he's recalled, and certainly he'll be back, you know, for the playoffs if um, if the Rangers you know make recalls for the playoffs, which they will, and and um, I think it was a win win for him to be up, but it, it's it's not. You know, you don't want a, you know a young guy playing seven minutes a night. You just don't. Um, so I think I think it's good. I think I think it was good he was here. I think it's good that he's back, and he could be back for the playoffs. He could play in the playoffs. We don't you know we don't know, depending on what Drury can do um, in picking up another fourth line player. Last one for you and Molly. Love if you could chime in on this one too. Obviously, Boston, they're the gold standard right now. They're having one of those historic kind of seasons. 39 wins, seven losses, 83 points. A great year. The immediate thought as soon as I saw this trade go down was how much does this close the gap between the Rangers and a team like the Bruins? So kind of curious, does this, I mean, it it obviously makes the Rangers better, but how much does it close the gap in your mind? I mean, my more immediate thought, but this is also just me thinking as someone in the tri-state area is you got the Islanders, 
Islanders bringing in Bo Harbit and the Rangers bringing in Tarasenko and I'm looking at the Devils. Like, <laughs> like what are they going to do? What's going to go on with them? But they still have such a, a comfortable few points on the Rangers right now in the Metro. Um, but that's just where my mind went because, I mean, you look at the players that the Metro is bringing in and it's just becoming more and more of a bloodbath. I think that the Devils, I mean, the Bruins are just you know, kind of just having one of those seasons where it's just so special. And right now they're, they're just rolling and it's kind of, you know, one of those that are difficult to stop unless something catastrophic happens Um, in terms of closing the gap between them, how they match up. I definitely think it helps. You know, the Bruins are the same way and having so many scoring threats on each line. Um, And I think that like Larry said, it does balance the Rangers top nine out a little bit more and it gives them more of a different look because Tarasenko is, you know, also a kind of a big body kind of guy that'll get to the paint and crash the net um, rather than just score fancy goals like some of the other uh, players in the top nine for the Rangers. So I don't know. It's difficult to say exactly how they match up, but I'm just looking at how crazy the Metro has gotten over the last couple of weeks and it's exciting. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and and um, I think it, it it improves them incrementally. But if Tarasenko improves the power play, that's going to be a key area because um, if you're going to if 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 a team is you know playing against the Bruins, you're going to have to score in the power play. You know, so you know if he aids the power play, then then that's an advantage for them. I think he makes them better. I think he makes their you know their team more formidable they're gonna have to get through a couple of teams before they get to boston right and you know assuming they finish in the top three and and don't slide to a wild card so they're gonna have to win two rounds before they get to the bruins so they they may you know they may want to worry about jersey and carolina and and, you know and and, you know and and tampa if, if you know however however it would work out they've they've got a lot of work to do before they get to boston i think i i don't uh um, I don't know that the deal was made with Boston in mind, but again, if you have a better first line, if you have, uh, um, if this, um, if this uh, jump starts Panarin, then they're a much better team and they have a much better shot against the Bruins. I, I think Panarin's just a huge factor here. You know, yeah, he, he's there. They they can't. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup if Panarin doesn't have a good playoffs. They're not. You know, they're going to need him to be better than he was last year. And if Tarasenko can be a part of that, then 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 great. We shall see. Hockey Hall of Famer Larry Brooks. Thank you so much for breaking this down and everything. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. And coming up next, we're going to get into some of your subtext questions right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Everyone in here is happy for him more than maybe a, a different guy. <laughs> We'd be happy for everyone, but I think especially him. It's uh, it's great to see, and it's nice to see him smile and have fun and score an OT win in the NHL. It's always good. All right, Molly, let's take a look and see what subtext questions we have this week. Wow, we're just going to go hot and heavy straight into it. I know. I liked it. I like this one. So from Gerard Mayerhofer, Rangers versus Devils in the first round, who's favored? Great question. And I just want to talk about how much I would live for a devil's rangers first round playoff series give it to me just serve it serve it right on the platter you know it's seven games all the way of course it would be kidding with this rangers team of course it would be but i just think that it would be so great 
for the tri-state area, for the National Hockey League, for everything. It would just be awesome to see the Rangers and Devils go head-to-head in, in the first round of the playoffs um, for so many reasons. I mean, the Devils have been the Rangers' little brother for so long. And at the beginning of the season, it really was looking like they were on par. They were neck and neck. And even still, they're a decent amount of points ahead of them in the Metro division. Um, but it will just be an awesome matchup just between you know jack hughes versus capo caco the storylines are absolutely endless um in terms of the edge i'm gonna have to go with the rangers and as silly as some people might think this reasoning is i do cite experience i think that even though the rangers were you know living walking proof that experience isn't everything especially last season in the playoffs i do think that with this devil's team it might matter um and i think that the rangers are going to be coming into the playoffs just a lot more prepared and a lot more aware of what they're about to go through um and the devils have no idea so i feel like that will play to the Rangers advantage and also I mean almost until you get to a guy like uh, I mean a team like Tampa Bay the Rangers are always going to have the advantage in net um, and that means something so I'm gonna have to go with the Rangers being favored in this. I mean, you're the beat writer, so I'm just the fan here in the situation. Obviously, I would take the Rangers as well, too. It, it kind of feels like, honestly, the Devils, in my mind, kind of feel more like the Rangers were last year. You know, that kind of just young exuberance, playing for kind of house money, having a great year. Could I see them making a deep run into the playoffs? Sure. I mean, you know, it, it's like anything in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's get in, get hot, and just see where things go. But I'm a big believer in experience, and I think the Rangers run last year definitely helped them out. And, and will help them out in terms of psyche and you know how close they came last year to get in there so we'll see we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens we still got half season to go so they're they're still neck and neck though like you mentioned uh let's go into the next one here from tim mayer can anything be done about libor hayek good soldier who has no future here can the rangers trade him for picks so he can get a fresh start somewhere else like patrick nemeth last season i definitely think that a trade will be in libor hayek's future I think, look, Libor, Libor is in a tough spot and he's been in a tough spot for a couple seasons now. He's played so little hockey and it's stalled his career. Gerard Gallant at the beginning of the season said that what happened to Libor Hayek was not going to happen again this season. And yet here we are. Um, so I think that the Rangers definitely aren't going to do this to him again. I mean, I said that last year, though. So it's like, it's, re- it's tough to think of their way of thinking. But obviously, for Libor, things could be worse. He could be in the minor leagues. I mean, he's still on an NHL team, getting the NHL treatment, getting the NHL pay, but it's holding him back a little bit and restricting him from progressing in his career, I think. So it's only a matter of time. I think that trading him might be more difficult just because I'm sure a lot of people in the NHL know what he is and you know feel like they've seen enough from him just from watching him during his time with the Rangers. So otherwise, I mean, maybe he'll walk and try to sign elsewhere. Um, But obviously the Rangers don't want to lose any of their players for nothing. Um, But I just don't know what his trade value is right now. If anything, I think that he could be a throw in as a sweetener for a team that might be looking just for some depth on D. But it's a a tough situation for him. You know, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. He's played so little hockey in the last two seasons. I mean, last season he played in both the NHL and the AHL and he still had a career low amount of games. 
between both of them. Yeah, like that's just doing that to any player is really tough. But again, situation could be worse for Libor Hayek. And he's got such a great attitude. And and I think that's something that the Rangers have to appreciate. And I think maybe other teams will appreciate too. You know, when you've got a guy that's just going to put his head down, do what he's told, work hard every day and try to be ready for when you need him. You know, that's a guy that has value in the NHL. That's something that is so valued. I mean, you know, you see it mainly in, in hockey, I feel like, whereas in basketball, if a guy's not getting his minutes, you're going to hear about it. You know, a guy like Lieber Hyatt, like just it's it's nice to just see a guy, like you said, put his head down, go to work and you know, take or try to take advantage of the opportunities when he does get them. So I'm sure, like you said, they're not going to want to lose him for nothing. But at the end of the day, like he's got to play. You know, I, I'd imagine he, he wants to play. He wants to be on the ice. But if there's just not a place for him on the team here, you know, you'd like to see him, you know, at least bounce off somewhere and hopefully pick up his career and keep it up. All right. We got one more here. This one comes from John Logan. I think they need to watch Igor Shosturkin's workload. What do the coaches say? Well, if you ask Gerard Gallant, he's not worried about Igor Shosturkin ever. <laughs> so, and and all decisions are left off uh, up to Benoit Lair. <laughs> But actually, seriously, I think that the Rangers are in a really good spot when it comes to their goaltending right now because they are getting the results from Yara Halak, which is, you know, invaluable and something that they weren't getting earlier on in the season, which was really tough for the Rangers to get through. And and it just made the losses pile up a lot more than they did last season. That's for sure. And it made for a pretty rocky start for them. Um, But now that he's kind of turned it around, I think he's seeing the puck better. Um, And I think that once he notched those first couple wins, you know, he's just back into that veteran, you know, experienced mentality that he has and that the Rangers paid him to come to New York for. Um, I do think that, look, last season, Igor played every single playoff game. And I would be shocked if it didn't happen again this season. So there, I feel like there's a, a fine line to balance of keeping Igor sharp, um, but also not overworking him. And I think the Rangers are going to feel a lot more comfortable picking spots for Halak now going forward than they were earlier on in the season. Igor still doesn't like his game. <laughs> I mean, that's, he says it, he says it, you know, quite point blank, quite point blankly all the time that he's still not happy with his game and you see it in practice too. We don't really talk about it as much on Twitter or, you know, or write about it as much, but there will be times where he'll get scored on and he's smacking his stick against the ice, smacking against the boards. He like, he is so competitive. He's so intense and he hates his game right now. I don't think he's happy at all with himself this season and especially coming off of last season. And he told me that he thought that he, he did feel a little bit pressure coming into this season. And since how it's gone, he completely wants to forget last season happened at all, because I think it's, you know, keeping the expectations so high in his head and he's not really looking, you know, game to game. It's, it's comparing to last season. So he told me that he just wants to completely forget about last season. And I don't blame him, um, whatever he needs to do to, you know, keep the focus up, but it's kind of comical that Igor is still top 10 goalie in the league right now. And he hates his game can, can say it confidently. I know that he's not happy with his game. So I think the Rangers need to be cognizant of that and play him in big spots so that he can 
get more confidence and, you know, feel good going into the playoffs. Confidence is key in the playoffs. Yeah. Especially with Igor. I mean, did it last year. And, you know, like you said, though, he's still having a very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like this is, you know. It's just not historic. It's like just not historic. No. And, and listen, <laughs> history only happens every once in a while. So you can't. Can't knock yourself, but I love hearing the fact that he gets mad when he gets scored upon and in, 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 in practice. practice. Love it. I love it. Because that, that just means that you want to be the best. And obviously your guys got to score too. So that's that's nice to hear. But like when you're the goalie, when you're the guy, that's what you want to hear. Oh, it's been a jam-packed show. Let's close it out next. We have a certain type of belief and um, a certain type of will um, coming into these games and um, knowing that we can win and uh, finding those wins. And that wraps up episode 112 of the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Obviously, thanks for Larry Brooks hopping on here, giving his great opinion. You can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports on YouTube to watch full episodes, like and subscribe, all that fun stuff. You can also follow Molly Walker on Twitter. That's two E's and two R's, as well as me, Andrew Hartz. Pretty simple, just H-A-R. T.S. No E in there. So Molly, we talked about it. You had your nice little vacation from being around the team, and whatnot. What'd you do on your NHL hockey break there? It was a it was a staycation, that's for sure. I feel like I'm never in New York, so when I do get time to be in New York, I just want to be in New York. So did a lot of things around the city. I did write. I wrote a Jimmy VC feature. So if you haven't read that yet, go check that out. It's pretty good. Got a special appearance from Rick Nash. Uh, it was funny when I pitched that story to my editors. They were like, you know, Jimmy VC is great and all, but I'd be curious to hear what Rick Nash is up to. <laughs> That's what I really want to know. And it was kind of nice that some of the tidbits there uh, from Rick, I was I was thinking about maybe breaking out into another story because, you know, Rick Nash obviously was a fan favorite when he was in New York. And now he's a uh, player development with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the team that he started his career with. So he's obviously had a nice uh, little NHL career for himself. But yeah, it was pretty fun. Nice to be uh, off for a little bit, but now back to the grind and a home stretch to the playoff. Back on the grind. I, I mean, listen, I'm not saying anything, but if there were to be a Rick Nash appearance on the podcast, a lot of Ranger fans very happy. So, that too. I thought of that too. You never know. I'm just saying. I've got his phone number now, so we'll make that happen maybe. <laughs> that, that could be a lot of fun. A lot of great memories with Rick Nash. How's uh, Mama Walker doing? For a game like Monday night, does she text you? Does is, yeah. Yes. You right there with oh yeah oh yeah absolutely whole time after everything that happens she'll just write omg or or you know something something short and sweet like that so yeah i mean that was a game for everybody everybody loves those kinds of games how could you not even though i just felt like i needed more space to write about it i loved every minute of it so much fun never enough space for the words of course of course for molly walker larry brooks i'm andrew hartz appreciate you guys checking up the show we are back next week for another episode of the up in the blue seats podcast check back on all the old episodes check out the videos on youtube twitter whatnot and uh stay safe everybody let's go rangers